Good morning, church. Um, that song is timely. That song is timely because after that fast, uh, this is what the Lord has been showing me. This is what the Lord has been revealing to me. I, I'm not ever going to say uh, audible voice. I believe God speaks to his word. I believe that the closed canon of scripture is infallible. And God speaks to his word and God gives revelation through scripture every moment of the day. If anyone would listen, if anyone would take heed and dive into the word of God. And he's continuing to reveal to me and show me that he wants us to return back to him, his our first love, that he would be our desire. May that song that we just sung, may that be a reality in our lives and in our hearts. May it not just be words from our lips. What are we thinking of throughout the day? What are we meditating on? Who are we serving? Who are we honoring, church? This is so real. This is so real. It's not all doom and gloom, but there is a passion that the, fire, that the Lord has lit in my belly and in my heart because it's so serious. It's so severe. You know, as I've been studying throughout the week and I've been Deuteronomy and, you know, Deuteronomy chapter eight is such a heavy chapter. Have you read that chapter? Have you studied and contemplated the things of God in that chapter? There is great blessing for the children of Israel if they would submit their lives and obey and honor the true and living God. We have the Ten Commandments up here and it says the first commandment is thou shall have no other God before him. And if they did that, that they would be blessed. But the majority of the chapter talks about the curses that will fall upon the children of Israel and Gentiles, I believe, as well, if we refuse to submit. And I just mentioned me and Daniel were talking just coming out of the room. And, you know, when when the Bible speaks of when when women come to power, people always like to say, well, Deborah, oh, she was used in a mighty way. And there's nothing against women, but there's order. Right. Men and women are equal, separate in function. Men are supposed to be men and godly men. And when women are in charge of the land, that means judgment is upon the land. So in America, I truly believe and I've marked my life on it. that America is under judgment right now. We think that everything's nice and everything's gravy. No, it's not. We need to return to the Lord and every individual have a revival in their heart. This is serious stuff because people's souls are hanging in the balance and the church needs to be the true church and not this falsified church that's carrying out false doctrine and all kind of nonsense and leading people astray. The fact that the Lord talks about two of uh, the people in Israel that led worship, he struck them dead because their hearts weren't right. We have a whole movement where it's all about the talent. It's not an emotional thing, people. It's not an emotional thing. It doesn't matter if you can play the drums or you can sing or you can play the guitar, or play the piano. That doesn't qualify you to lead people into the presence of God. A contrived heart, a heart that is submissive before the Lord, a heart that yearns for him and that the number one desire is for you to live in harmony with him. That's what qualifies you. By the world standards, I'm not qualified to preach and teach, but God has a standard that's not of man's. People look at the outside, but God looks at the heart. God looks at the intention of the individual. 
This is so serious. And I don't apologize if it's heavy because I believe that I'm standing in between you and the Lord. And this is what the Lord continues to reveal to me. I have struggled through this time and time again, and I keep on coming back to the fact that I just need to repent and be at the Lord's feet. The men we met on Thursday, and this was something that came up. It's not about what we call devotional time and, and, and this and that and getting through the Bible in a year. Those things are not inherently bad in and of themselves. The end all goal is to spend time with God, to spend quality time with God. I have to say this because this is real. We have to be serious and and judge our own time with the Lord. When you are in God's word, is that a great joy to you? Are you are you just led to to be in the word and contemplate the things of God? And does it make you feel just so moved with the power and the insight of God that you just can't get enough that you're like, man, Lord, you're blowing me away when you're showing me all this stuff. And I look at the world and you're revealing to me how all this stuff is coming into play. Or does reading the word of God, is it a chore to you? Does it pain you to open up the word of God? Do you not get joy out of spending time at the Lord's feet in the word of God? You see, we're looking for all these whimsical ways of how God's going to reveal himself. Oh, I saw this vision. I did this and that. (laughs) The closed canon of scripture is how God speaks revelation into your life and to my life. That is the truth. That is not popular, but that is the truth. And the level of where you spend your time in the word is a direct correlation to your spiritual health of your relationship with your heavenly father. If you love him dearly, you're going to be in his word. You're going to revel in his word. You're going to rejoice in the word. And the word is going to make your path straight. And you're going to have insight for living. You're going to have wisdom that goes beyond what humans can understand for every aspect of your life. You may not understand many of the circumstances you're in, but you're going to have the wisdom you need. But if we don't partake in this daily communion with God, We suffer, church. We suffer. This is very important. The Lord also has revealed to me, I love this, because Satan is nothing but a copycat. Right now we are in a day of all inclusion. All inclusion. Oh, we receive everybody. We must understand that God is the one who originated all inclusion. When he said there is one way, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. That is the original all inclusion. God says there's one way. There's one way to be right with Almighty God. There's one way to heaven, and it is through the person of Jesus Christ. So once again, we see this Carmen copy This copycat Satan trying to drive this all-inclusive order that's going on in society today, but it is nothing but a mere copycat. God is the one who invented all-inclusiveness, and it's in Jesus Christ. Amen? Praise God. God. Give him praise. Give him praise. Many times we don't praise him enough. All right. I'm I'm excited to get into the second part of uh, this this series in uh, Revelation chapter 18. So we'll be in... 
uh, chapter 18 of the book of Revelation, and we'll go through verses 9 down through 20. Uh, again, this message is entitled The Fall of Babylon, Part 2. When you get there, and if your, your body's able to stand, please stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll go ahead and read, and we'll pray. And uh, thank you for <laughs> letting me share what the Lord uh, revealed to me. And uh, like I said, don't mean for it to be offensive, but I do mean for it to wake you up. Amen? All right. Let's start in verse 9, and it says, And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand off, they will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her. Since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls, the fruit for which your soul longed is gone from you and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city. And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Maybe pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for your revelation through your word. We thank you for the scriptures, Lord. We thank you for your truth. May you bless the teaching and the preaching and the reading of your word. May you give us understanding. May we be able to rightly divide the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit who is indwelt in us. And may you be blessed, Lord. May we not tarnish or taint your word, but may we bring honesty and truth to the scripture, Lord. May we allow you to judge us accordingly and may your double-edged sword cut, pierce to the innermost part of our being. Reveal to us things that need to be lifted up to you, things that need to be broken off, Lord. And may we, if we are, may we come out of this world system and depart from the ways of wickedness. Father God, we thank you and love you. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, Last week, we, we covered uh, the first eight verses of chapter 18. Just a quick recap to kind of bring us up to speed, give us 
context of the chapter so far. An angel of the Lord proclaimed the destruction of Babylon. Babylon the Great has fallen. It was mentioned uh, several times, meaning a finality to the judgment upon this world system. Um, Making mention to this ever-present wickedness in society at this time. And again, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. All you have to do is look out at society, look at the world, look at the nations of the world and what humans do. I mean, it's no different from what ha- what's happened centuries ago, but we're on a trajectory towards this Babylon coming to an end. Wickedness seems to abound everywhere. We now, not the church, but the world at large, and unfortunately some that call themselves the church are calling evil good and good evil. Once again, the, 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 the wickedness that has pervaded the pulpit is appalling to me. It sickens my stomach how some men and women stand up and preach things that are just absurd. Absurd. I, I, I don't want to spend time on that because then that becomes a distraction. But the fact of the matter is we need to know what the word of God says. Amen. We need to stand on the rock of truth who is found in Jesus Christ and stand on the word alone. Keep it simple. Follow, obey Jesus Christ. That is the way to true life. Amen. We learned, as in other scriptures, sexual immorality has a double meaning. The Bible often uses sexual sin as a metaphor for idolatry and other forms of false religion. And that's what Babylon is synonymous with. Immoral, corrupt, adulterous. Oh, man. And this is, this is pervasive in uh, the, the, the reading of our text this morning, this is all there. And this is what this world system is, immoral and, and idolater. The city nation, the one world system, Babylon in the end times is not only a hub of commercial power, but of sin and sensuality. They worship the flesh. They worship the flesh. Again, looking at our society today, what is going on? People worship the flesh. I saw this great movie during the week, and it was called The Power of the Air. I saw it on Pure Flix. And basically, I don't know if I told this last week, but I'm going to say it quickly. The premise is this, this missionary ta- is talking about he fears for the church in America. He says the greatest church in America is the movie theater. And that's because in the movie theater, people, Christians, flock to go, or nowadays flock to their living rooms and stream stuff into their living rooms where you have people... Men and women getting half naked, doing things they shouldn't be doing on screen, using the Lord's name in vain, using his name as a curse word. He said, basically, if I was to go into a church, if I was to be here right now and I was to bring, let's just keep it real. You guys, maybe some of you might be offended, but I'm going to make a point. If I brought my wife up here, which it wouldn't happen like that, but people started getting, you know, half naked and started kissing, you'd be like, this is blasphemy. Get out of here. If I stood up here and used God's name in vain and cursed his name over and over again, you would say, this is blasphemy. Who is this? Get this pastor out of here. But yet Christians go to the movie theaters in droves and watch things like this, and they're not moved. They don't even bat an eye to it. They're not even appalled by the fact that the things that they watch are disgusting, let alone we bring it into our homes. And this should not be. Jesus said, if you love the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's a check. That's a word for somebody today. We need to check what we're doing and what we're watching and what we're letting into our homes. Enough is enough. Come out from her, saith the Lord. Come out from her. 
This is what our text is talking about. Babylon, this world system will be destroyed. If we are more infatuated with the things of this world than the things of God, then there's something wrong with us. If we love entertainment, but we don't love spending time in God's word, there is something wrong with us. And dare I say, we may be called Christians by name, but we're not really following after the true Jesus and we do not have real fellowship with him. That is raw, but that is the truth. The fruit of our lives will reveal where we are at. The hope is all that can change. It can change. You don't have to live like that. But you see, my heart breaks because I I seem to find so many people that I come across where they, they just are not there in their walk. It's like, do you spend time in God's word? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, how, are, how do you expect to have victory? How do you expect to love Jesus if you don't spend time with him? What do you do? Oh, I'm on social media or I'm on YouTube. I'm looking up all these videos. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with videos. There's nothing wrong with ministry videos. But we replace the word of God with all these things and think it's enough. Nothing wrong with hearing messages. I listen to messages from great pastors all the time. But that does not replace Getting in the word personally for myself. You see, me standing up here on Sunday mornings does not replace your time throughout the week of being in God's word by yourself. This is like a supplemental pill. Why take just a supplemental pill when you could feast? If the word of God is the bread of life, then it is the food for our soul. Why would we not gorge ourselves on the word of God? Why wouldn't we? We gorge ourselves on all this other junk. That just kills us, right? Because the reality is this. The things we let into our minds, that go into our hearts, that go through our ears, that go to our hearts and our minds, they're either going to edify us, they're either going to build us up, or they're going to bring death and destroy. You see, Jesus said clearly, the word of God says clearly, I, I, bring, I put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. It's your choice, church. It's my choice. What do we do with our time? That is the importance. That's how we can gauge. Am I growing in my relationship with the Lord? Are the things of God becoming infectious to me to where I can't go a day without the word? I can't go a day without fellowshipping with Jesus. I can't go throughout my day without contemplating and thinking about him and bringing things to him. And praising him and thanking him for all he has done looking back on my life. If we can't say that, then we need to mature. We need to get stronger in our faith. And this is another thing. This is, a, I'm, this is not even in my notes, but this is so real I have to say it. You see, I love football analogies. Many of us as Christians, we're not on the offense the offense don't sit, the, 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 Trey Lance and the 49ers don't sit there at the, at the, at the line of scrimmage and just sit there and, and get, and get, and get uh, you know, penalties for delay a game. They get out of the huddle and what do they do? They go to the line of scrimmage and they go on the offense. They attack the defense to score. Too many Christians are not on the offense. We are not on the offense. We are being so passive. We are being so defensive why? Why? When we have the power of the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead living inside of us. Why are we so scared? We shouldn't be that way. We should be on the offense. 
And being on the offense is part of being in the word and taking up your sword of the spirit and being able to wield the word correctly in every circumstance, in every situation. Not of our own strength or our own volition, obviously, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. But do you see, church, do you see the disconnect? There is a great disconnect right now in this world, in our country, And it's simple. We need to get back to the word of God. We need to hold the scripture up as the ultimate authority in our lives. Not anything else, not experiences, none of that. The word of God and allow the revelation of Jesus Christ to permeate our beings in everything we do. Amen. That is the truth. That is the truth. This earth will become a dwelling place for demons. That's what scripture said last week. As beautiful as it is outside, as nice as it is, as as great as it is to experience things and go on cruises and go on hikes and and have picnics and all these different things. One day that's not going to be so. This is going to be an, an inhabited place where demons will dwell. A far cry from the world that God Almighty had created. You see, the Apostle John heard another voice warning God's people to flee the city To get out of Babylon. This parallels the Old Testament teachings warning Lot to get out of Sodom. Because God was going to advance his judgment. And so for us as Christians, we see clearly, these are not my words. This is what scripture clearly says. To depart from the ways of the world. There should be a clear distinction between us and them. Yes, we lend a hand to them and share the gospel with them because we are to be used as vehicles to be bringing people to Christ, whether we plant or water, but we are not to be indwelt with unclean things. We're not supposed to be going to the club with the world, with our coworkers. We're not supposed to be gambling with our buddies from work. We're supposed to be telling them the truth of the gospel. We're not supposed to be gossiping with these dudes or with these ladies about so-and-so or someone else or whatever. We're supposed to be living a life that is above reproach. We're supposed to be an example. We are supposed to let our light shine <laughs> so that the world may glorify their Father which is in heaven. Amen. Before it is too late. That is, the, that is the sole purpose why you and I are still on this planet. Because God sees fit to do a work in and through us. And it encompasses that. But again, first things first. If we don't make sure that our relationship is not tight with Jesus Christ, how can we be used in such a mighty way for this world around us? The sins of Babylon are enormous and the judgment of God will be in proportion to that sin. There is great judgment coming upon this world because the sins of the world are very repulsive to God. They're reaching climactic highs that's never been done before. We know Jesus said, or God said, the Trinity, (laughs) that they were going to destroy the earth by the flood because of the wickedness of man was continual. God actually was remiss a little bit for creating man. But then he found, but Noah found favor in God's eye because Noah and his family were righteous and they chased after God wholeheartedly. So God decided, I'm going to start the world again, repopulate the world with this godly family. Obviously the world hasn't been flooded since then, but again, sins and sins and, and, and lifestyles of wickedness have just run rampant from the time of Noah's day till now. So we are due for something to pop off. And we know how the story ends. So that is with the fall of Babylon 
coming to a close at some point in the future. We have several main points this morning, and the first one is this. Those who align themselves with Satan will not mourn their own sin. Rather, they will mourn the loss of the things of this world. That's a clear distinction of whether or not we're following Jesus Christ or not. And these people who are entrenched in this Babylonian one world system, they mourn the loss of things. They mourn the loss of experience. They mourn the loss of what they can tangibly see, touch, and hold. They don't mourn their wicked condition, their sinful, depraved condition. The Lord in the previous verses has already addressed those who were his. He urged them to separate from Babylon before he renders final judgment upon this world system. These people in this portion of scripture who we'll be going over this morning, these people here are not them. These are not the people that are departing from Babylon. These are the people that are clinging to this world. They're clinging to the world. They're clinging to uh, the comforts and the pleasures of this life. They can't part from it. The Bible communicated there are some in this world with reprobate minds. The definition of reprobate means this, an unprincipled or depraved person, morally corrupt and depraved. Romans chapter 1 verse 28 tells us, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. To do things which are not convenient. Now you see, God always gives a choice. I believe to some degree or another we're all born sinners, so we're all born reprobates. But you can be changed and transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does your mind get renewed? By just thinking about it? How does your mind be renewed? By just, oh, I need to be renewed. No, your mind gets renewed supernaturally by the Lord, and he will give you the desires of his heart, not the desires of your heart, then you'll start getting in the word. And the more you saturate your mind with the word of God, you start thinking like Christ. You start seeing people as Christ sees people. Compassion, love, joy sets in, empathy sets in. And then you start really hating when you get jealous or when you get angry or when you, you know, you're, you're dealing with things that are unclean. You see, this is a supernatural act, but we have to do our part. You see, God said in that verse in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, that they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. That's a free will choice. That's a free will choice. Either we will love the things of God or we will hate the things of God. If we love the things of God, we are moving from death to life. If we hate the things of God, we are already dead in our sins and we're just going to stay dead. And that's just what, that is what is going on in our text this morning. These people who just say, I just, I can't part with Babylon. Oh, oh I mourn over this, this world system that's crumbling. These people in Revelation chapter 18 clearly have no desire to love God nor receive his love. They care nothing for the things of God. This is evident in what they mourn over. Babylon, this corrupt world system has fallen and they mourn over the material things. They are sad because their economy is ruined and no one will buy and they cannot sell. 
They are fully given over to the things of this world. You see, Satan has greatly deceived these individuals. And now, unfortunately, it is too late. They have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. That is the first main point. The second main point is this. Those lost in the worship of Babylon are now living in fear of what their future holds. You see, with all of the world's economy grinding to a screeching halt, the people of Babylon don't know what else to do. They don't know what's coming next. And we must understand in the last days before Jesus' return, many will be deceived. The Bible says many, many's hearts will wax cold and they'll be lovers of men. They'll be lovers of the things of men. They won't be lovers of God. Well, what does this mean that they're going to be deceived? Well, it means that none of these people deceived were outright looking to worship Satan. It's not like they woke up one morning and say, oh, man, I want to be a devil worshiper. I want to be a satanic worshiper. I want to worship false gods. I want to worship all these things that are worldly. Nobody wakes up like that. Nobody in their right mind wakes up like that. You see, they were deceived. The enemy has deceived them. Since they chose not to submit themselves under the authority of Jesus Christ, they became influenced by the doctrine of demons. And that's where the love of this world comes into play. Because these unclean spirits start enticing people's desires. Okay, I'll give you this. You can obtain this. If you use your will and work hard enough, you can obtain this stature and this status. And many people fall into that deception. And they think if they climb the corporate ladder or if they ill use people and treat people badly and stomp on people to get what they want, they're going to be fulfilled. And they have all this stuff, but it's just stuff. If you know anything about cleaning, stuff gets dusty. It gets dirty. I hate dust. When I found out what dust was, I was like, are you serious? Is that just dead skin cells flying around? We had some appraiser come to the apartment on Wednesday, and I had to, me and Veronica had to clean everything, and I was in charge of the blinds. We got three bedrooms, and downstairs we got two big old rooms with blinds. You know how much dust was on those blinds? And Veronica's like, you better go one by, don't tell her this. <laughs> She's like, you better go one by one. Flip them over. Windex the windows, disinfect the, the, you know, the bottom part. I mean, that was a tiring job. My whole point is things, material things, stuff, they just collect. They get old. That's all they are. They don't have any intrinsic value. You can buy a Lamborghini, and as soon as you drive it out of the car lot, it's already depreciated. The thing doesn't even have a fingerprint on it, but with the ones you put on, and it's already less of value. You see, these are the things of the world, and this is what these people, they're like, they're, they're mourning over that. I mean, I guess probably driving a Lamborghini would be cool. I don't really like to drive fast. So I drive like an old man, so it wouldn't do me any good. <laughs> but still, it's just the things of the world. You see, again, we are either going to be edified built up in the things of God, or we are going to be broken down and eaten alive by the things of the devil. There is no in-between. Once again, I didn't create the terms, but these are the terms. There is a heaven, there is a hell. We are in the in-between. It's our decision to choose what do we want. 
Do we want to forgo all this to have eternal comfort and security? Or do we want it all now? And as many of these false prophets and false preachers and pastors say, live your best life now. This false prosperity gospel. No, Jesus said, you follow me, you're going to suffer. He didn't say, follow me and you're going to get every single thing you want. That's such a twisted, distorted perception of the Bible. He never said that. He never, just look at the hall of faith. All those people never got to see the things that they desired that were good, godly things come to fruition in this life. So what makes us think that all of a sudden we're going to come on the scene and we're going to receive Christ and we're just going to get everything we want and everything's just going to be peachy keen the way we want it. That's not real Christianity, folks. That's not. That's a, that's a, that's a crock that they're selling people. And if you're not in the word, you're going to be eating it up just like these other people, unfortunately. May God have mercy on their souls. May they wake up in time to understand the truth before it is too late. Amen? These people who were deceived by Satan and, 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 and mourning over Babylon, they believed they were good, doing the right thing, yet they were completely wrong. They were genuine, but they were genuinely wrong. Verse uh, 15 tells us the merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. The Bible is clear that when anyone lives only for this world and what it offers, we are living short-sighted. This world, life, this life, are, are, it's temporal, it's finite. They have a definite end. While eternity, our inner person, our soul, our spirit will live on forever. When we live only for this life, that's all we have. <laughs> that's, all, that's probably why they say, oh, you live your best life now, because that's all they have to look forward to is the 80 or 90 years they're going to live and crummy years at that because of the way they're living it. And then they're going to kick the bucket and that's it. Not so for the true church. Not so for the believer who has the word of God implanted in them and is living that out on a daily basis. You see, when we live for Jesus, whether we have nothing or we have many things material-wise, we're always full. We're always full. You see, there's nothing inherently wrong with being wealthy, with the world's wealth. It's, does the world's wealth have you? Are you subject to the things you own? If you're in bondage to the things you own, then that's not a good thing. May we be Christians that may obtain things, but we use them for what they're worth. And they have their rightful place in our lives. They don't lord over us. They don't have us compromising our lives and our lifestyles for things and for stuff. I can go without a vacation. It ain't that deep. I'm not even tripping off taking my kids to Disneyland anymore. It's not that deep to me. It is what it is. As demonic as Disney has become, I'm not tripping. I'm not tripping. Just watch some VeggieTales. It's all good. Better yet, let's just get in the Word. Use your imagination. Let God speak to your heart because it's just... This world is permeated with so much junk that we have to really filter through through the power of the Holy Spirit. The third main point is this. Heaven will rejoice over the judgment of Babylon. You see, there's always a silver lining. I know that it may sound like this is a doom and gloom sermon. Now, this is just the real reality of what's going on. But you notice how this, this portion of Scripture ends. Heaven will rejoice over the judgment of Babylon. 
You see, in all people, we are all created with eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 tells us, He, speaking of God, has made everyone beautiful, everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. You see, we all have this innate desire to be loved and to be satisfied. That is why people do all sorts of things to try to fulfill this need. And you can just use your imagination of what people do to try to fulfill this desire, this good desire to be loved and to be cared for. What people do. You see, the problem is when we try to fulfill this ourselves outside of God and God's plan for our lives. With that desire to be fulfilled, we can easily look at the world we live in and get discouraged because we're like, man, none of these things fill this desire that I have in me. And that's why people get depressed, chronic depression. And they put them on drugs. They take them, send them to a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist will help. (sighs) I don't want to get into that. But we see this unclean, horrible, vicious cycle of what goes on in lives all around us. You see, because we live in a fallen world that is broken and because of sin, we look to find peace, but instead we find hurt, we find pain, we find suffering, we find loss. The list goes on and on. You see, if your conscience is not seared, when you look out at our world, you know something's not right. You know something is wrong. And many people, they can't put their finger on it, but they know something's not right. This world shouldn't be like this. It's supposed to be full of love, full of joy, full of peace, but it's not. So where is the peace? Where is the love? As, uh, what was it, uh, Black Eyed Peas would say, where is the love? I'm dating myself. (laughs) And where is the joy? What's found in the person of Jesus Christ? Those in heaven long for justice to be rendered to Satan and his demons when Babylon will finally be judged for good. This is the answer that the saints, the apostles, and the prophets were waiting for. Justification for them to be justified. They choose not to repent, then they need to be rendered judgment. And they're waiting for this time. For the Lord Jesus Christ to vindicate all the evil that has gone on since the beginning of creation. And that's what these people in heaven are, are so grateful for, is that this, this judgment is finally going to come. All right, verses 9 and 10. And it says, And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. Again, here, sexual immorality implies a certain physical sins, but it also is a common metaphor in Scripture for the sin of idolatry. The actual city and culture of Babylon historically was deeply rooted in the worship of false gods. So we know that this is not far off at all. They worshipped all of these false gods, these man-made images and understanding of who God is. It's like philosophy, right? Philosophy is man trying to discern and understand God while revelation is God revealing himself to man. And that's why philosophy will never work because we're, we're trying to just come up with these ways. How can I get to God? How can I reach God? How can I reach? And then we start creating all these gods, all these philosophers creating all these gods. Man, 
Aren't you so grateful for the revelation of Jesus Christ in your life? That is such a miracle. You've received the greatest gift that you could ever be given. Eternal life found in him. Man, that's just, a, that's just I blow my, it blows my mind. It's a miracle. Think about it. Think about what you possess right now. You can call him daddy, Abba, father. We know that you have to have an intimate relationship with him in order to be reconciled. That's why he calls us to call him that. And you get to do that. That's a beautiful thing. In regards to the end times, this right here in our context may refer to the idolatrous act of worshiping the beast. Remember in Revelation chapter 13 that the false prophet in Jerusalem set up an image for the beast and demanded everyone to worship that image. Oh man, Lord, I don't want to be there when that happens. That's just, that just boggles my mind to think that that's going to happen. Satan's going to force people to worship him. Next, we see these lost in this world system of Babylon are standing off afar in fear of her torment. So great is the heat and smoke of her burning, speaking of this city, that these kings must stand off at a distance. Some think that this may be an indication of nuclear weapons that are used in judgment of these commercial centers in the end times. Whether or not this is to be understood as the literal destruction of the city of Babylon by fire, I'm going to be just real with you. I don't know. I can't say that for sure. But what I do know is for sure no unbeliever will be able to stand around unaffected by the destruction of the one world system. No one who worships Babylon will be able to just go about life like normal. They're not. Worldly commerce and government will never be the same. The kings of the earth weep and wail over Babylon's collapse. Once again, unlike chapter 17, where Babylon was a reference to a form of false religion, this Babylon describes politics and economics. This reference to kings of the earth are rulers worldwide. It's kings, presidents, prime ministers, and dictators. And you can see already, you got prime ministers in Europe resigning because dirt's being kicked up on their names. The prime minister in Japan recently got gunned down. And I know this stuff has been going on for, for time, but what I'm saying is it's going on still in our midst, and we're seeing it. So you're seeing all these things, different players being taken out, new players being brought in that's going to bring about this whole, again, one world government that they're trying to establish because it goes back to the Tower of Babel. It goes back to basically Satan wanting to be worshipped. What we can gain from Scripture, the demise of religious Babylon wasn't mourned. That's very interesting. The religious Babylon wasn't mourned. But here, however, the fall of this economic and political superpower is a source of grief. Grief, excuse me. These political rulers, misguided by greed and their desire for power, found it financially wise to cooperate with Babylon. They're like, I'll lie in bed with you because you're going to lie in my pockets. We're going to rub each other's backs. And that's why this is all going to play out the way it plays out. But you see, Babylon's ruin will cause them to experience their own financial ruin since everything they earned was from Satan. When it's taken away, they're going to be grieved by that. The application is this. We can never let anything or anyone else creep into our hearts so that we would worship those things or those people instead of the true and living God. Amen?
And this goes back to, once again, being in the word daily, loving your time in fellowship with God. When you are in fellowship closely with God, you are not going to have those things come into your life because you so are guarded by God because you are so just embedded in him and him in you that it's not possible. The word of God is clear. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 tells us, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And here we see clearly a whole group of people who all they serve is money. They love money. They love status. They love fame. They love not the things of God. Now, money inherently is not wrong. It's not evil. It's not bad. We all know what the word word of God says. The love of it, the desire, the lust of it, the the, the discontentment with, with your lot in life, thinking you have to have more. What's the old saying? Keeping up with the Joneses. That'll put you in the grave. What? Your contentment is based on what the next person has? If I felt like that, man, I'd have... A hundred more pair of shoes. (laughs) I'm trying to get rid of shoes. I got too many now. I've gotten past that whole thing. But you know what I'm saying? You can't, we can't be so moved by what someone else has that we become insecure in our own person. That just shows us that Jesus ain't sitting on the throne of our hearts. It's whatever we put on is sitting on the throne of our hearts because now we're moving. I I gotta, I got I, I don't look. No, it's not right. It's like, it's okay. You do you. I'm content in what I got. And yeah, I might rock something nice or whatever, but that, that's not the point. The point is, Jesus has my heart, not the stuff, not the excitement, not the allure, not the prestige, not the experiences. I'm not chasing after that. I'm chasing after Jesus. Amen? Amen. This lost world, in the end, cared nothing except that they would accumulate things in this life. They don't care about what's next on the horizon. They don't care about eternity. They care about amassing as much as they can have now. Rockefeller was once quoted by, he was asked the question, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. This man was already a millionaire back then. He already had enough. He had enough for three generations, four generations of his lineage. But yet he still wanted more because he didn't have Jesus Christ sitting on the seat or the throne of his heart. He had things. He had stuff. It's very hard for someone with a lot of wealth to give that up for Jesus, to let Jesus sit on the throne of their heart and not st- instead of stuff. But you see, but you see, excuse me. It was and will always be for the reprobate. What I can take, never what I can give. It's it's that idea of I got to have. And I won't give of myself because I, I got to protect, because I got to have more. That's unfortunate. That's not the way the Bible calls us to live. The Bible calls us to love our enemies, <laughs> to bless those that hate you. Not, not take, take, take. Quite the contrary, right? We find it easy to love everyone in this room because we all love one another. But Jesus calls us to love the people that hate us. That's a challenge. That's a challenge for all of us. It's a challenge to do that. But we're called to do that. Because that's what Jesus did. That's how he lived. They hated him. They sent him to the cross. And he still loved them. He still had compassion on them. He still had empathy for them. He said, they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. And that's how we should be. 
Our, our hearts should break for the people that are lost. We shouldn't just glance over people that are lost in their sin and just be like, oh, well, <laughs> I know I'm going to heaven. It should grieve us. Now, I know we can't save anybody, but we should be moved. Lord, what can I do in my sphere of influence? What can I do on my watch to make sure that I'm telling everybody that I possibly can, that I come in contact with about Jesus, that I'm sharing the love of Jesus with people? I just had a conversation with a, with a coworker of mine, and I wasn't planning it, walking to the car, and it lasted like 45 minutes, and I just spit the gospel. And it was cool because this person is a learned person, graduated from Stanford University. No, he's seeking the Lord because he graduated in finance, but he's working at the Morgan Autism Center. <laughs> That's a far cry from finance. He could be making a whole lot of money, but he's working with people who have disabilities. So already right then and there, the Lord revealed to me that this person is seeking and searching. And I just shared. And I was just raw with him. Like I'm raw with you, honest, not pushing it down his throat. And the cool thing was he actually was receiving it. He said, I, we had a great conversation. He said, I enjoy talking with you. I would like to do it again. And I, and I invited him to church. The thing is, he lives all the way in Morgan Hill. So you got to find a church. got to hook him up with somewhere down there because that's a long stretch for him to come up here. But either way, the whole point is, whoever we come in contact with, there should be a passion. There should be some, there should be some fire in us to want to do something for the Lord. Amen. Right? It's not just taking. It's not just sitting down. We need to get moving. This is something that we can do. I don't care how old you are. I want to be that, Lord willing, I want to be that old man, hobbly gray, maybe with a cane. But man, I got the spruceness of a youngster because that fire of the Lord is still in my belly and still in my heart. And I'm trying to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, even in their allegiance, we're going back now to these, these people who are in love with uh, this false uh, world or this false one world order. Even their allegiance with false religion was, was simple. It was a facade. It wasn't real. It wasn't genuine. An example of this is when the United uh, States stock market crashed in 1929. Wealthy investors lost fortunes. Overwhelmed with their losses, many took their own lives. Because they were in so despair, they didn't know what to do. Because they were living for money. They were living for their fortune. And when their fortune was taken, they killed themselves because they thought no other reason to live. Maybe the fall of Babylon will produce even worse results. The earthly king's tears flow nonstop as they watch smoke rise from Babylon's burning. The drifting smoke might be seen directly in nearby cities, but modern technology can broadcast this disaster worldwide. I don't know how that's going to pan out, but we know all the technology is in place for the world to see what's going to go on when that goes down. Just like the, the, the prophets that are going to be out in the street for several days and rise up. Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city. These people lament, but for the wrong reasons. Instead of being broken because of their sinful condition, they are broken over what they have lost and what they can see. Their love is for this world and not for the things of God. All right. Verses 11 down through 17. And it says the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. The cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet colors and all kinds of uh, scented woods, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble. List is long. Cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, 
wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves, that is, human souls, the fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for this great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. All and all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off. Wow, that's, uh, that's pretty extensive. That covers... Everything monetary you could possibly accumulate in this life, it's all going to be nothing. This long list, it needs no explanation except that these are all luxuries. These are not necessities. These are things that people long after for the desire to have more, not the essential things. It's plain, again, that mourning is rooted in self-interest. No one buys their merchandise anymore. This is a picture of complete abandonment of God to gain the wealth of this world. Complete abandonment with no regard, no concern for godly things, simply living for the flesh. The sad thing about this, once again, we see humans forget that it is God who created them, gave them the ability to obtain wealth in the first place, yet they totally disregard him. Do we understand that all of our faculties are kept in place. All of our organs working, uh, you know, in unison with one another. Our, our neurons firing off in a certain way that everything works out perfectly. Our heart beating at such a rate that we're able to live. I mean, our skin keeping in all of our insides. And yet we think we have the audacity to walk around acting as if we can do whatever we please for trivial material things instead of praising the one and true God who formed us and knit us perfectly in our mother's womb, made us from dirt? <laughs> who are we to think that we could do that? There should be a deep reverence and a reverent respect and fear of God, not the opposite of what these people in, the, in this chapter are showing. Slaves, that is, human souls. That's the next portion of scripture we see right here. These prophets, meaning the earnings of Babylon, have come through the cruelty of using others off the backs of other people. The wicked practices of using people for ill-got gains. That's what we see going on in our text this morning. They sold the bodies of souls of men. The idea here has many applications. Simply looking at today's lifestyle or today's world that we live in, widespread human trafficking everywhere. Prostitution and pornography, those are just a few. But the use of a human body and using it for ill-got gains, that's what's going on here in this one-world system of Babylon. And next we see it says, you shall find them no more at all. Those who lived for the luxuries of Babylon will be tormented by the eternal absence of those luxuries. There will be no more. It's like you had the house on the hill, you had everything. But it was ill-gotten, and so it will all be stripped away. It'll all be wiped away, and there'll be no more. And she knows. The baby knows. Once again, the saddest part of this whole thing is the fact that P 
people send themselves to hell and not God. They've done it to themselves. They've chosen a free will to rebuke God and say, I don't want you. I want this. I want to be my own God. I want to do what I want to do. I've established what's important and it's not you. (laughs) That's so sad. You see, the Lord God has created us to have intimate fellowship with himself. When we sinned against him, he had a plan in place so that we could be reconciled to him. He gave us his son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 tells us, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? So it's put out there for all humankind to understand this and to receive God, to receive Jesus Christ. You see, but a rejection of his son will ultimately send a person to hell. These people thought it was more important for their temporal pleasure rather than eternal pleasure and peace with God. They walk by sight and not by faith. The exact opposite of what we're called to do. We are called to walk by faith, not by sight. Only wanting to please their fleshly desires and literally destroying anyone who stood in their way of obtaining the pleasure of their fleshly desires. This is a very demonic mindset. And because of their unwillingness to repent, they will be in the worst possible situation for eternity to be apart from God, tormented by their own decisions in darkness forever. The last two verses, 18 down through 20. And cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned and cried out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth for in a single hour she has been laid waste rejoice over her O heaven and you saints and apostles and prophets for god has given judgment for you against her okay so we see this statement alas alas the great city in which all who had ships on sea became rich by her wealth again notice That their sorrow stems from pure selfishness. It's just selfish. Look at the polar opposites of when Israel was grieved by the loss of a loved one or their sin. And they mourned over it. They mourned over their sin. First, there is the mourning over loved ones who have passed on. When Moses and Aaron both died, there was a mourning period of about a month, about 30 days. James chapter 4 verse 9 down through 10 tells us be afflicted and mourn and weep let your laughter be turning turn to mourning and let your joy to heaviness humble yourselves in the sight of the lord and he shall lift you up do we understand that that's that's an important thing you know i understand yes the blessings and and yes we praise god for that and but if we understand we have to understand it's not emotional it's not an emotional thing there is a seriousness and a heaviness to our relationship with God. And I ask you the question today, what do you mourn over? Do you mourn over your sin? Does it bother you when you sin? What do you mourn over? Or do you mourn over the circumstances of your life that they're not the way you want them to be? And so you mourn over that. You see, we are to be like these people who James was speaking to. Let our laughter turn to mourning 
and our joy to heaviness. May we contemplate the things of God and may we fall on our face before him. May our hearts be contrived. And may we honest, take an honest assessment of where we are with God. If we would humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, he says right here, he shall lift you up. You'll be elevated. You'll be exalted by God. But you must humble yourself first. Amen? Amen. It's not my words. It's what the scripture says. It's what the scripture says. Many times we wonder why we're going through what we're going through. It's one thing if you're going through what you're going through and you're being obedient. I understand that. But it's another thing if we're being disobedient and then we wonder why we're going through things. And it's like, you're being disobedient. Be obedient and the Lord will bless you. Have a contrived heart. Mourn over your sin. Ask God to change the desires of your heart. Get in his word. Spend time with him. And you'll be elevated. Amen? Amen. You will be. It's the truth. It is the truth. You see, this is genuine godly sorrow. When we actually are grieved and mourn over our sinful condition before a holy and true God, we become convicted of our wayward ways and desire to be forgiven and changed. You see, that's the important thing. It's not just forgiven, but change. Lord, change me. I don't want to live like this no more. I want to live like the new Adam. Give me a new heart. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. This has to be our desire. This has to be our passion. It has to be. We submit to the rule and authority of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we begin the sanctification process of being confirmed, conformed, excuse me, into his image. This is the complete opposite of these people who are mourning over the loss of this world system. Again, these people care nothing for the things of God, but only for worldly pleasures. This world and the things of this world can never produce lasting contentment. We've all been there. We've all tried to, we've all tried to, be, we've all tried to be fulfilled by this world, and it just doesn't work. Everything loses its luster so quick. It does. I just picked up Madden 23 on the PS5 Friday. I've played it for two days. I'm already like, it's cool. Graphics are cool, but I mean, how much time can I really spend on it? You know, I mean, I, I like to nerd out on video games, but that doesn't fulfill me. It doesn't make me feel like how I feel when I read the word of God. God's just like, yeah, it's cool. Keep me playing a matter, but you know, I mean, <laughs> don't, don't look for it to, to make you whole because it's not right. I mean, as good as your wife cooks, that's good. Enjoy the good food. Enjoy it. It's rich. It's good. It's delicious, but it's not going to fulfill you. It may fill you physically, but it ain't going to fill your heart. That's why people, when they're depressed, they're <laughs> crying, sobbing, eating some cream cakes. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> you know that ain't going to fulfill you. You need to fall on your face, put them cream cakes away, and get right with God, and you'll be okay. And that's the truth. It's the God honest truth. We only become more deceived as we look to wealth, riches, and power to make us whole. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 1 tells us, Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting and strife. Lastly, we're going to end on a high note. Many of you have been waiting for that. <laughs> like, when's it going to get better, man? I don't, I don't like all this conviction talk. It's all right. Call to the heavens. 
and the people of God rejoice. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has judgment for you against her. Rejoice over her. Should God's people rejoice when judgment comes? Yes, but the caveat is this. We don't rejoice in the destruction in judgment. Rather, we rejoice in the righteous resolution God's judgment brings. You see this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. I've read it before, and I'll read it again. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I'll end with this as Michelle and Isaiah come up. This verse tells us God has set eternity in the human heart. You see, in every human is a God-given awareness that there is something more than this transient world. And with that awareness of eternity comes a hope that we can one day find a fulfillment not afforded by the vanity of this world. That is why people want to see justice, because it's embedded in them. Something's got to be better than this. This is why people start movements trying to combat injustice. I believe that there are many people that have the right motive, but they, are, they have been deceived by this Black Matters movement. Right. Because at the heart of black matters is not something good. But when you don't know the truth, you're like, oh, you're standing up for the rights of people, the blah, 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 blah. And they go along with it. They have that innate desire to want to do something good. But it's skewed in wickedness because the people behind it or actually that satanic spirit behind it. This is why people are trying to reverse climate change, <laughs> if that even exists. But the fact that their hearts are like, we don't want to see this world destroyed like this. They long for something better than what currently is here. This is why people many times long to root for the heroes in movies and not the villains. Because they want to see justice. There's something better. They want to see the, the, uh, the <clears throat> wrongs be righted. Because we all innately know that there's something very wrong with this world. And we want to live in a better place. But it once again all comes full circle back to Jesus Christ. You see, we are all born sinners, bound up in iniquity. But it is his sacrifice that pardons our sins. His death, burial, and resurrection that makes us justified, atonement for our sins. Once we come to submit our lives before Jesus Christ alone, we then begin to understand the place we are looking for. That perfect peace is not found in this world, but found in him alone. May we be those who willingly receive the Lord's gift of salvation and decide in our hearts once and for all that we are going to live out our days serving and honoring Him and not this world system called Babylon. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. Thank You that You love us so much that you never stop pursuing us, that you give us opportunities time and time and time again to repent and fellowship with you. May you light a fire in every person's heart in this room. May they not be the same ever again. May you move them into the new season of their life spiritually where they're going to be on fire for you and move for you and just fellowship with you. Bring your people home. Father God, we thank you and love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray.